Yeah, I'm excited this morning. Uh, we are going to be continuing our uh, sermon series over uh, the book of Joshua. Um, just so we're all on the same page, we've all finished the, uh, the, the book of Joshua. Uh, most of you know the story pretty well by now. You're just kind of in agreement. I'm totally kidding, all right? Uh, hopefully you have had a chance just to, just to read through the book of Joshua these last few weeks uh, just together. Man, it's just a powerful story of, of really just people, simple people, broker, broken people uh, that allow God to step into their lives and for God to display His power in a mighty way. And that's really the story of Joshua. It's just really one simple man who says, God, I want to be obedient I want to walk in your ways, and God, however that looks, whatever that looks like, whatever that costs me, I am willing to step out and experience you like I never have before. In this story of Joshua, uh, we've been walking through this together through these last few weeks. We, uh, we last saw Joshua on the edge of the Jordan River, and, and it was crazy because it was, it was a time where the, the Jordan River was flooded. You know, it couldn't have been, you know, not flood stage, okay, you know, but it was, I mean, the, the, it was a flooded, and, and I can imagine the, these people, they, they come before the Jordan River, and they say, God, I, I know that you said that you've given me this victory, Just as you and I find ourselves in in life many times, God, I know that you are who you are. I know that you're faithful. I know that you love me. I know that you've given me these promises. But but do you see what's going on in my life? Maybe that's you this morning. Like, like, do you see the Jordan River? There ain't no way I'm getting past this. And that's exactly how God responds. You're exactly right. You are not getting past this. But by the power that I will display through you, you can accomplish. You can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine. So this morning, that the people have passed over the Jordan River. God says, I want you to build an altar because I don't want you to forget what took place on this day. And how easy, how often we do forget God's promises, God's blessings the things that God does in and through us. I'm right there with you. How, how easily we forget and we slip into those moments of, of fear and, and doubt or whatever it might look like for you. But for the people of Israel, they have passed across the Jordan River, the impassable Jordan River. God made a way so they could walk on dry ground and they come on the other side and they come to a place called Jericho. Now we could probably all sing the song together, all right? Joshua what? He, he fought the battle of Jericho, alright? Uh, and, and this is a pretty awesome story. It's a very unique story. It's, it's, kind of a, um, it's kind of a crazy story, let's be honest, because, you know, the people of Israel, they were warriors, they were fighters. They knew what it looked like to, to take battles into their hand and to have hand-to-hand combat, but God was like, man, I'm going I'm I'm to blow your socks off. I'm going to do something that you can never imagine, but those walls will come tumbling down. Most of you know the story. If you don't, God says, I want you to gather the priest, and I want him to pick up horns and flutes and trumpets. All right? I want you to get the band together, okay? And I want you to get some warriors. I want you to put them before them and behind them, all right, with some, with some weapons. But here's what I want you to do on the first day. I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho and then go back to camp. Anybody thinking like, man, I, I mean, maybe, does God think I need to lose some weight here? Maybe He's wanting to trim me up before we go into battle. So, so day one, 
Day two, same thing. You know the story. Day three, day four, day five, day six. Anybody like, God, what's going on here? I don't understand your plan here. This, this seems a little crazy here, okay? If, I mean, I've got my Fitbit. I'm counting my steps already, okay? Like, like is, what, what's the plan going on here? And you can just imagine God saying, just stand still. Just stand still. You're thinking like, you know, I haven't been standing still. I've been walking. And God said, just wait. On the seventh day, God says, I want you to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. I don't know how big the walls of Jericho are, how far around that, but that's a lot of walking, all right? But they're already in shape because they've done it six times before. So, so they walk around one, two, three, four, five, six, and on the seventh time, God says, and He tells Joshua to tell the people, I want you to blow your trumpets, and I want you to shout, and just watch the power of God on display. And as the story takes place, we know, and the, and the song says, and the walls came tumbling down. Wow. You know, it's amazing how much prayer and praise can fight battles on our behalf many times. But many times, I want to be in the hand-to-hand combat. I want to, I want to take it in on my, in my own strength. And I, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And so many times, God is saying, why don't you just step back? Why don't you just have prayer? Why don't you have praise in your life? And let me fight those battles, and let me tear down those walls in your life. I know this morning, out of... These people here, there's one there's got to be walls in our lives that we've been battling for a long time that are maybe keeping us in a relationship or maybe are, are keeping us away from things or maybe keeping us from, from experiencing God and victory this morning in our lives or, or whatever it looks like. And it's that same God who, who worked in midst of this story is the same God that you and I, as we sit here this morning and open up His Word, has the power to deliver us from those things. With Joshua, you and I even this morning can say, the Lord is with us, fear not. This morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter 24. Yes, we just jumped a long ways. I'm very aware of that. But you guys have already read it all. So you guys know the story. We're all up to date here. As you're turning, I just want to just pray over our few minutes together. Father, we come before you. Lord, we love you. God, have your way this morning. Spirit speak. God, I pray, Lord, that you would um, give me the words to say that would, um, that would lift you up, that would edify the body of Christ this morning, Father. God, I pray less of me of more of you, Father. Lord, humble me this morning, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, speak to us. God, may your word challenge us, Lord. May it convict us, Father. My Lord, may it give us boldness. May it encourage us this morning. So, Father, again, we just ask that you would just have your way this morning. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. These were exciting times for the people of Israel. They have now understood, they have now grasped what God's plan was for them since the story of Abraham. Hundreds of years have now come to fruition of, in the lives of the Israelites. And you can imagine as, as they're living their lives and as they're indulging in, in all the things that are around them and the, 
the milk and the honey that, that describes the promised land, they were now living in. I mean, can you think about that? Think of their past. Think of all they've experienced, all they've gone through, all they've done, and now, now they're there. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, now they're at Disney World. You know what I mean? Like, now they've gone through the magic gates and they are living. They are living in the promise of God. But it was also a very dangerous time for the people of Israel. You see, there was a danger that they would forget where they came from. How they had gotten to where they were and what the Lord has done for them. There was the danger that they would begin to adopt the idolatrous religion of the, of the Canaanites who still lived around them. There was the danger that they would fall into a state of complacency. A state in which they might feel they could let down their guard just a little. These were dangerous times for Israel indeed. And I would like to this morning just give us the church just a gentle reminder that these are dangerous times for the church as well. We are seeing the church develop an appearance that is more and more like the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 and you can read that in your own time. But it's a church that has everything it needs except for the presence and the power of the glory of God. Just as the Lord issued a call through Joshua all those centuries ago for His people to make up their minds as to whom they would serve. And in the midst of this situation, Joshua stands up before the people and he gives them a challenge uh, from the Lord, and that's what we're going to pick up this morning in Joshua chapter 4, is, is the people had started living lives very comfortably. I guess if I was to ask most of you, we would say, you know what, I probably live a pretty comfortable life. I've kind of got all my needs. I, I, there's not really any wants. Uh, maybe there's a lot of wants, not a lot of needs, so to speak, all right? And, and, and we can easily get into that moment of, man, we, God, we know that you are who you are, man. We've seen you work, and, and we're thankful for that. But, man, I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to live my life, and, and I'm okay in this mediocrity, in this nominal living. And that's exactly what has happened in the life of Israel. So, so God says to Joshua, I want you to stand before your people because I have a message for them. And so we're going to pick that up. Here we go in verse 1, Joshua chapter 24. Let's read that together. It says, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem, and he summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, who is actually the grandfather of Abraham, they lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. I, I want to stop there just for a moment because I'm not... Did you see the significance in that verse? You're probably thinking like, no, I did not at all, all right? Remember who Abraham was? God says, I'm, through your life all people will be blessed. Do you see what he came from? Did, did, did you read, read that again in, in verse 2? 
This really hit me again as I was reading. I'm like texting my wife. I'm like, did you, did you remember this about Abraham? Did you know his father and his grandfather were idol worshipers? Did you know that? You're like, sure. You see, this morning, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what kind of life that you've grown up in. It doesn't matter if your family wants nothing to things to do with God, that God can work in and through your life. And for your life to be a blessing to so many people, man, that just that really stood out to me there. Man, that Abraham was taken out of a godless family and God poured into him and used him. And because of his faithfulness and his obedience, all people on earth had been blessed because of this one man who was taken out of an unchristian home, so to speak. And that pumps me up. I don't know about you. All right, you're like, all right, but you're always pumped up. Verse 3, let's keep going, okay? But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of, of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I, and I brought you out. God's just reminding the people of what's taken place. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, which was the Red Sea. And the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help. And He put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. We know that was 40 years Verse 8, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Bacor, of Beor, uh, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again. And I delivered you out of his hand. Verse 11, then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, and the rest of the ites, all right? But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. You Listen to this. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. Verse 13. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves, listen to this, that you did not plant. So God is just reminding them, man, look at all the things that I have been faithful to you. Day after day, year after year, and he's reminding them, and, he, and he's brought them to a time of contemplation. Now this word contemplation, it literally means the action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time, or, or deep reflective thought. Now, now this is not just a, a flippant like, yeah, oh yeah, Joshua, you remember, I, I, yes, of course I remember that. Have you, you know when somebody tells you a story and you don't really care? Have you been there before? And you're really paying attention to something else. You're like, Brandon, you do this a lot, don't you? Because you're very aware of this, okay? And they're telling you a story, and it's like, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. And you're really trying to listen in on somebody else's story or whatever it is, and you're like, 
Yeah, 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 I remember that. You know, and they might be pouring their hearts out to you. I'd never do this, okay? It's never a good thing, okay? And, and, and I can just see the situation here. This is not one of those times where it's like, yeah, of course, Josh, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah, in the Red Sea, that was such a cool story, wasn't it, Joshua? Yeah, the manna thing, oh, that was awesome, Jericho, yeah, that was really just a, a cool story. No, this was a, this was a time that Joshua from the Word of God, brings the people of Israel into a time of contemplation, which is a time of thoughtfully looking at something for a long time. He wants them to remember who they are, where they came from, and what the Lord has done in and through them. He wanted them first to contemplate God's power in their lives, and he re, and he reminds them of all the things where God displayed His power before them. It reminds me a lot of John chapter fifteen, verse five, which is the words of Jesus. He says, "I am the vine, and and you are the branches." And he goes on to say that you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you stay connected, like you, there are, there's nothing that God can't do in and through your lives. And that's exactly what God is, is displaying in the lives of Israel here. He goes, I want you to remember, it wasn't you. Remember, I gave those things to you. Remember that city? Remember, I gave those things to you. Remember Jericho? Like, you didn't do anything. I displayed my power in and through you. And then he goes on to say that I want you to contemplate God's presence. In your lives. He goes on to say, I want you to contemplate God's provision in your lives. And in light of these truths, I just wonder why maybe some of us, maybe even this morning, seem to have a hard time just simply loving and serving God as we should. Of course, this is nothing new for the people of Israel They were guilty of walking out on God even when He had been so good to them. You see, the people of Israel had soon forgot. Because many times in our life, it's like we we get there. It's like we claim the victory and as, as if the story is over. God, God, thank You. Let me just, let me just live right here. I'm comfortable. Thank You. Man, I've got my house, I've got my car, my kids aren't too bad, I've got a couple dogs, I've got a sheep, I've got a goat. I mean, like, I'm pretty good. Man, I go to church two Sundays out of the month, God, I am killing it. And so easily we forget the reason God even brought us into existence. And the reason He did that was so that He could work in and through our lives just like He did Joshua. We don't have to come from this great Christian family. We don't have to be Billy Graham's grandson for God to work and be displayed. Abraham came from a family where we we worshipped idols and he worked in such a mighty way in our lives. And God does not want us to become comfortable. God wants to continue work in and through us, but so easily we get to the point where we forget the purpose that God has for us daily. I love the story of Jeremiah. The time of Jeremiah, he tells the story to the people of Israel that time, and they had once again slipped into this understanding of God worked and the people for God, and they started doing their own thing. And this is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 2. It says, This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? 
They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priest did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied to Baal, which was a, a false idol. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all, but my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins, is what Jeremiah says. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Also the men of Memphis and and Taphinus have cracked your skull. Have you not brought this on yourselves by forsaking the Lord your God when He led you in the way? Now why go to Egypt to drink water from the Nile and why go to Assyria to drink water from the Euphrates? Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord Almighty. I wonder this morning if we have not committed the same kinds of sins in our lives. Have we also allowed everything under the sun to come before the Lord in our lives? Perhaps we also need to contemplate what the Lord has done for us once again. Remember where He found us and all the, that He has done for us. You see, Joshua brings the people together and Joshua calls the people to a, to a time of contemplation, but he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't like, hey, I want you to take this word. I want you to go chew on it. All right, you know, do whatever you want to with it. Go and do your thing, but you know, just, just kind of remember these things. No, he, did, he doesn't just stop there. He, the story keeps going because contemplation led to confrontation. Because here's the thing, you and I, I can, I can talk myself into anything and out of anything very easily. I can rally myself with other people who will be right on board with where I'm at. Sinful or godly, we can, we can get people who will be on board with what we want to do in our lives. And so Joshua says, I want you to remember what God has displayed in and through you. And I, I, want, that just to, I want you to wrestle with that just a little bit. I want that to affect you just a little bit. I don't want you to say, oh, yeah, thank, yeah, yeah, thanks, Joshua. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I want it to, I want it to change you. I want it to, to stir in you. I want it to affect you in such a way that it, it changes. It changes our motivation and it changes our lives. And then he, come, he comes, comes to a time of confrontation. Look in verse 14 of Joshua chapter 24. He says, now fear the Lord. And serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. In verse 15 it says, But, listen to this, 
But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And I love this. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I remember growing up and that being in our kitchen. Anybody else? I still remember it was a, it was a blue painting over our back door. Didn't know really what it meant growing up, honestly. You see, Joshua, he confronts the people of Israel. And the first thing he does, he confronts them by a command. And the, and the first thing we see here is, is hey, I want you to fear the Lord. The second thing is, is, is put away all the other things in your life that are keeping you from walking in obedience. And for them, it was a graven image. And you think, you know, I don't really have any graven images in my house. We don't really have any statues, but ours come in the form of 72 inches, and they're flat screen. They go on the wall. They go in our garages, all right? You, you turn them on, and they rev the engine up, or, or maybe, it's a, maybe it's something there or something there. You and I both can have gods in our lives. They might not be graven images, but we can sure have them in our lives that can detract us from being obedient to God's life. And we can easily fall into that and be so comfortable, just like the people of Israel, we get comfortable and we forget. And so Joshua comes and says, and this is what the Lord Almighty says, I want to stir your heart for a passion to get back on board with being obedient to where I have you so that your lives can display me from all those around you. And he says, serve the Lord with faithfulness. That word serve just means to fulfill the role of a slave. Reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which just says, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. God exchanged His Spirit for our lives. And that word faithfulness means true to one's word, promises, vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, and to be sincere. Maybe your version of the Bible this morning says, you know, serve the Lord with sincerity. It's a pretty interesting word because the English word for sincere comes from two Latin words, which means without wax. All right, here, here this is a cool story. It says, it was used to refer sculptress pottery dealers who sold first-class pottery that did not have cracks patched with wax. So, so what would happen is, is, is these guys, they would make these, maybe they would drop them or they would, be, they would uh, have defects in them. And so what they would do, they would try to deceive the people and they would put wax on the inside of it, okay? And they wouldn't really know that it was kind of broken, all right? I know you guys would never do that, okay? But what would happen is, is the reason and the way that they would test that out is they would put a light in it. And that light would shine through that wax and, and immediately they would know what the fraud was or, or what the deficiencies were on this thing. And so the implications for us is that God does not want His people to live lives of hypocrisy. He wants us to live lives. He wants us to be what we claim to be. 
Joshua confronted the people with a command. He confronted the people with a choice. Look again in verse 15. It says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, maybe, maybe you could implement that word maybe in our present day, maybe inconvenient. Maybe that's a better word for our culture today. Maybe, maybe serving the Lord is just inconvenient for you. Then choose. Very interesting that he says, I want you to choose. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Joshua commands them. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be broken and being willing to be in a courageous obedience in your lives. But Joshua says to the people of Israel, I, I want you to choose. What you're doing, how you're living in your lives is doing more destruction to the name of God than anything else in your lives. Isn't this what happens to us many times? I mean, what's the, what's the biggest word that we see? I mean, I, I don't go to church because of those, what's the word we hear all the time? We're hypocrites. And I say, amen, I am a hypocrite but saved by grace. But here's, here's what they're getting at. Stop displaying your message and quit living the way that you are. God's Word says, I want you to choose. If you want to be of the world, go and live in the world. But don't claim to be someone whom you're not. But God's heart and God's desire for you and for I is for us to live in in the fear of the Lord, that we would put away other things and make Him number one, that we would serve the Lord with faithfulness. God, Here's the thing, God cannot and will not make you do something. That's where free will comes in. I'm thankful for that. But you and I every day have an opportunity to pick up our cross and follow after Jesus or not. Joshua confronted the people with a command, with a choice, and then a challenge. I I love this. He says, man, you choose whatever you want to choose. You make up your own mind. But but I'm here to stand before you right now in front of all these people. And I'm going to stand and say, but as for me, Joshua says, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Like, like you choose whatever you want to do. I want to remember what God's done in through my life and, and done in through His people. And I know God works in obedience. God works in faithfulness. Man, like you make up your own mind, but I'm just here to stand before you as a leader before you and to say that for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Remember the last time Joshua stood up before the people and proclaimed... Forty years before that, Caleb, Joshua, they go into the land. Do you remember that story? When they came back and Joshua proclaimed a stance like this, you know what they wanted to do? Do you remember the story? They wanted to stone them. It says that the people of Israel, because of the stance of Caleb and Joshua, they wanted to stone them. So Joshua knew what might be coming here. He knew the cost of what it meant to follow after God. For us, do we know the cost of what it looks like to pick up our cross and to follow after Jesus in our lives? Does our lives stand as a challenge to godly living 
or as an encouragement to godless living. It is one or the other. The last point here. He then goes on and he calls them to a time of consecration. This word consecration is, is really the, a word to make holy or to dedicate to a higher purpose. And that, have, have you noticed this theme that keeps coming up? Before they came through the Jericho, God says, man, I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you to get your life right. I want you to become holy. When they were in the Red Sea, what was the saying? I want you to become holy. I want you to get your life right. And once again, he says, I want you to get your life right. Verse 16, I love this. The people resolve in their hearts and the people answered, far be it from us to take the, or for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our hours. He protected us on an entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where does your allegiance lie? Not, not what you want to tell the person beside you. Not, not what you want everyone to think, so to speak. But like in, in your heart, where does your allegiance lie? If you had to make a decision just like Joshua, like, like choose which one is it going to be? Will you stand before others and possibly take on criticism or, or possibly take on whatever it might look? Will we stand before God and choose that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And verse 19 goes on, we're almost done. And Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after He has been good to you. But, they, but the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Here's what Joshua is saying is, is, you and I just can't live our lives however we want to. We can't act like we are, we are these people and do this. It says that God will not tolerate that in our lives. Sin always has a price. Sin always has a price in our lives. Sin always brings destruction in our lives. And I know if I could have testimony this morning, you would say amen to that. Amen to that. Amen to that. Joshua says, don't just flippantly make a commitment like this. Verse 22, then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, jo now then Joshua said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. He says, you know what? I want you to take action. I want you to take action. I don't want you just to talk about it. I want your lives to be on display for those around you. Take action. And the reaction of the people, verse 24, it says, And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey Him. On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. Verse 27, See, he said to all the people, This stone will be a witness against us. It has... Heard all the words the Lord has said to us, it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. What happens here? How does he close this thing out? 
It's the word rededication is what we use here in church. Our church term is rededication. What does that look like? It means that you and I have an opportunity. No matter what we've done yesterday, the day before, no matter what families we've come from, no matter what we've dabbled in or whatever, that you and I have a choice today to say, you know what, I want to stand before the people and say, I want to stand firm on the Word of God. And I want to be held accountable for that. I want you to hold me accountable to that. Because what happens is, when we have a lack of accountability in our lives, we go and we become nominal. we just go and do our own thing, and the next thing we know, we are dabbling in the idolatry of the world has to offer us, and that idolatry always brings on destruction in our lives, and then you and I, who are in Christ Jesus, become wounded and hurt, lack of joy, lack of purpose. Why? Because we have missed following after God. And it becomes an ugly cycle in so many of our lives. And it hurts the heart of God. Just put it in perspective. Just think of a a son and a child, a daughter and a child. How much more God loves us. Here's what we're going to do, close. I'm not really going to have any instruments or playing, but I just want you to close your eyes. We're almost done. See, this story goes on, and sadly, Israel did not keep their house to the Lord. And they paid a high, terrible price. You can read that in Judges and Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. God's desire for your life and for my life is for us to serve Him, love Him, and honor Him. So just as Joshua challenge the people of Israel at that time. I just want to ask you this morning. Where are you at? Where's your heart? What things in your life are keeping you from being obedient? What, what things in your life are keeping you from honoring God? Maybe it's something simple. I know for some time it's just me, it's just flat out laziness. <laughs> that we would pray over these things. And that you and I this morning, we could rededicate our lives and say, God, I just want you to ask for forgiveness in this, in this moment in my life, in this situation in my life. And here's the cool thing about it. God's Word says that He is faithful and just. And that He will forgive us of our sins. And that He will give us a fresh start. Maybe some of us this morning, we, we need to be born again. We need to be a new creation. We, we've never given our lives to Christ. We've never fully given our lives to Christ. For maybe for some of us, Lord, God's salvation needs to take place in our lives. God, I pray that we could be honest before You this morning. And God, that we would choose as Joshua did. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, speak to us this week, God, as we go into this, our different places, our different workplaces, and our different homes, God. God, use us. Challenge us. But God, most of all, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would get the glory in and through our lives. 
God, we thank You for who You are. In Jesus' name, Amen.